Okay. Too much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings to Salutations My name is Justin Lohr And I'm Liam O'Donnell And you are listening to episode 106 of Horror Business Yeah uh, <laughs> And t- and today we are joined by a very special guest to help us talk about two horny werewolf movies. Yay! That's right. We just did two episodes on horny vampires. Now we're, we're moving to horny werewolves. We are joined by Mr. Sean Conway. Sean. Hey. What's going on? What's up, guys? Sean, did you pick these movies or did Justin pick these movies? I I pick like my top three choices and then love that. Love Justin that. picked from there. Love I, I, knowing that you were like picking three movies and two of them were uh, very contemporary horny werewolf movies makes me very happy. <laughs> Although I guess I mean we we say I, I I'm with you Justin in describing uh, Ginger Snaps as horny, but also I'm not because it, uh, something there's something about it that's not that as well. You know what I mean? In its whole, like, uh, mm, puberty anxiety. There's something about it that's even more so gross than it is horny. You know what I mean? In that it's like this body hard thing. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get into it. But I, I, I will say, yeah. I, I, you know, there's an aspect to it that's almost anti-horny. You know, it's like, oh, this is kind of horny, but then also, fuck you. Hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> Anti-horny. Yeah, I think there are parts of it that are legitimately like boner killers on purpose. All right, well, that's the episode. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> that's one sm- Thanks whatever. for having me, guys. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I'm All not. right. <laughs> so before we go any further with this episode, before we before Liam tries to unsuccessfully argue the non-horny merits of fucking Ginger Snaps, which is movie a movie literally about horniness... <laughs> This episode is brought to you by you, our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Now, we're not rich. We don't intend to get rich. We're never going to be rich. As a matter of fact, I'm closer to being homeless than I am to being anything resembling rich. But that's not why we do this. We do this because we love talking about horror movies, and we love making people feel bad about having the wrong opinions on a horror movie. And if you if, if you if you're wondering what what the wrong opinion is, it's simply an opinion that's different from mine. Even if Liam has it. So you're so fucked. Yeah, yeah, you know, aren't, aren't we all though? It's like it's it's like Brandon Lee once said, uh, "Fuck, aren't we all?" No, wait, no, never mind. Pretend I didn't say that. He says victims aren't aren't we all? Shut the fuck up, Liam. Anyway, I have no idea what you're talking about anymore. You lost me so long ago. Yep, neither do I. So, if you are interested in uh, <laughs> in donating to the shit show that is horror business and Cinepunks as a whole, and helping us spread our bullshit the world over, you can go to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. An address so great I can't even pronounce it right, so I'll do it again. www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Okay. Now, Liam, 
If I said to you, I want to get a t-shirt made that says, um, hmm, my name is Liam O'Donnell, and for some reason I don't think Ginger Snaps is a horny werewolf movie, where would I go to get that t-shirt made? I believe you would want to go to xlvacx.com. Although, to be fair, Chris Reject might reject this shirt design because he agrees with me. Okay. He has terrible taste in movies. <laughs> he makes extremely poor decisions every possible chance he can. And but he does can... print good shirts. So that's why you should go to xlvacx.com. Purely on accident. <laughs> Purely, in spite of him being a walking fuck-up of a human being, he does amazing, amazing work in the in the screen printing studio factory place. This is why we're never going to get any other advertisers because of this ad copy right now. We're nice about we're nice about uh, Essex Coffee Roasters. No, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, so Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is uh, a business uh, born out of passion that somehow manages to be both personable and extremely professional. Now. Is it true that right now is a bad time to screen print anything because uh, we're dealing with a shortage of uh, shirts and hoodies and uh, sweatpants and everything else nationwide? Yes, that is true. So if you are going to try to get something printed by Chris, please be patient because they just don't have shirts. Literally, the biggest retailer of shirts right now doesn't carry ring tees anymore because of CM Punk because he bought all of the ring tees in America and sold them at that event where he returned to wrestling. Bought every single one in the United States, which is oh, ho- insane. Holy shit, that kind of makes me not like him. <laughs> I mean, look, he wanted to have enough for everyone at the place to get one, and he did. He had a lot, and that was all of them. That were all the ringers in the entire country. He bought them for that event. So, I mean, I say he bought them. The company selling his shirts bought him so whatever uh anyways uh go to xlvacx.com uh and be patient be patient with chris but still harass him oh yeah 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 like if you get an email from julie or for brad or from any of the other staff be kind be caring be patient as soon as you see chris's name at the bottom of that email unload just like a sailor just you know say the worst things you can imagine the sort of things that would not just make your grandma blush but might cause her to have heart palpitations yes agreed to all those things should we do the other thing now yes all right uh our other sponsor is our good friends over at essex coffee roasters uh look aaron daubick is the best you love him you love the bands he was in um He's now not only, you know, working a full-time job doing other things, but he's getting this coffee company off the ground called Essex Coffee Roasters. Uh, Aaron offers you the highest quality beans roasted to order, so he's ensuring you get a fresh cup of coffee. And if you're someone who's a little intimidated at ordering whole beans and having, like, fancy coffee at home, the thing about Aaron is he's really invested in demystifying good coffee. He doesn't want it to be some elitist card game where you don't know what you're getting. He wants to help you get the coffee that's going to work best for you. So hit them up at the website. You can shoot them an email as well, and they're going to help you find the coffee that is right for you. Uh, as you're buying your coffee or your tea or your merch, they got some sick hoodies and T-shirts over there. On the way out, you're going to want to put in the discount field C-I-N-E. P-U-N-X. And that's going to give you 10% off. I mean, literally, you're basically losing money by not ordering coffee right now. I don't, I'm don't. i not an economist, but I'm pretty sure that's true. 
You don't have any evidence for that, but just take our word for it. I feel very strongly about it, which is a, basically all we need. Yeah. You, you're saying it with your gut, which means it, it's true. Yeah. And I'm a real American? Question mark? Mm. No, not really. No. No. Where? Uh, I'm sorry. I was too busy thinking about Chris Reject being upset. Did you say the... Uh, the, the, the you- EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Promo code... C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X. All capital letters, like you're screaming it. <laughs> I don't actually know if it does need to be capital or not, but I'm going to say it does just because it makes me laugh. Yes. Okay. Now, normally this is the time in the show where I would say, hey, Liam, uh, complicated bullshit fucking scenario that's never going to happen that's vaguely related to the movies and it's just me fucking talking. What movies you are? Horror movies you watch recently. But And then Liam goes, oh, I don't watch any horror movies. Uh, you suck. You watch horror movies. Uh, we all, it's predictable. We know what Liam's going to say. We know what I'm going to say. We're going to fucking shake things up a little bit today. Sean, tell us about Dead Till Death. I know it's from the guys who did Mr. Pickles. That fucking opening is amazing when the dog licks its asshole and it fucking noodles <laughs> on the guitar. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so tell us about well, it. Uh, all right, let's do it. I hope you guys didn't hear me running around the house just trying to find the right spot to <laughs> set up for the podcast. But um, I think I, I muted myself. But anyway, yes, dude, Dead Till Death. It is a uh, ridiculous horror comedy about a group of teens who go out in the woods, classic scenario, just to do some shrooms. And uh, they get a little more than they intended to when a demonic group of cans of water attack them. Interesting. Yeah. A, a demonic group of cans of – so like – we're talking about like liquid death here. Is that the sort of thing? Yes. So liquid Fuck. death is the actual pr- right, antagonist, right. the monster of the story. Can I can I just cut in here really quick and 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 say I love that. And also, uh, Justin, have you have you had this liquid death yet? Have you had it? No, I'm straight edge. I don't drink that stuff. Right. You know it's water. <laughs> You're aware it's water, right? I'm aware. I'm also aware that I'm straight edge and I don't drink that stuff. <laughs> So here's the deal for me, right? Is that when I first heard about this drinking water isn't straight edge. <laughs> when I first heard about yeah, this so. this water in a can, I was like, "Get the fuck out of here! I don't want that. That's crazy talk." And then I was someplace, and I really wanted a seltzer. And of course, they've got the regular water in a can. They've also got the seltzer. And my man was like, "Yo, have one of these." And I was like, "Come on, this is just some sort of marketing ploy." And he's like, "Maybe, but I think you should have one." I'm gonna tell you what, guys. I'm gonna tell you what. This is no offense to the love of my life, Topo Chico, which we know is descended from heaven above itself. It's what literally, the it's literally the, the tears of Jesus. But that aside, what is Topo li- Chico? Find some fucking culture, white man. Uh, liquid Death <laughs> is possibly the greatest seltzer I've ever had. Again, I love Topo Chico. I swear by Topo Chico. Obviously, Topo Chico is great. Liquid Death is one of the best seltzers I've ever had in my life. And it really made me go like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm into this now. Because I just, I was so skeptical. You know, why do we need water in a can? And maybe I maybe I won't get the still water. I don't know. We'll see. I, I might still try it. But that seltzer, buddy, that fucking seltzer that they got, some real shit. That's some real the good shit. What kind of nonsense yeah. are you talking about? I... I, I'm telling you, Yo. try it, and you will find out. It is the best seltzer, one of the best. I, I still, I still swear by Topo Chico. I think. And also, yeah, the dude, fact that, that you, water is from like the uh, Austrian Alps or something. 
Oh, I fucking love that. Justin, also, the fact that you don't know Topo Chico literally makes you racist, and I'm going to tell all of my brown friends, and we're going to come protest <laughs> at your house. Uh, I put to you that that is arguably, that's probably the least racist thing I've said today. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and erase that part of the podcast and move on. No, I'm saying inadvertently. Oh, yeah, that's fair. You are an asshole. Okay, Sean. So uh, let's talk about this uh, horror comedy. This is a fine line to walk, right? Because you you want it to be legitimately both. So talk to me about the experience of uh, being a part of this uh, cast, trying to make something that is, you know, respectful of of being, you know, uh, within horror, but also legitimately funny. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. Yeah, and that was that was really uh, the great work of Will uh, Crisola, who is the he's the creator of Mr. Pickles. He he from the get go just installed in our brain so hard. Like, listen, th- like play this super serious. This right. is a horror movie to you guys because right. the concept is so ridiculous up front. Right. That for all the characters. In this world, this is 100% a horror movie. Like, this isn't funny to any of us. So that when you're watching it, it's even funnier to see, like, holy shit, these guys are actually scared of these stupid cans of water who are killing them in the dumbest ways possible. People need to to understand how important... I, I mean, sure. I'm sure something where that was silly could still work. I don't want to make a, a large claim about comedy like I'm a comedy expert. But for mm-hmm. my taste, I think selling something straight, like really playing it for real, is just funnier to me. It's just a, a bigger it, – it's a bigger source of humor for my taste than, than uh, uh, a constant winking at the camera sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's, it doesn't play like that at all. You know, because and we we kept saying that, like, if you if you wink at the camera too much, it, it takes it away. It's like you're you're making fun of the audience or something. But when you're the one who is experiencing it as authentically as possible, the audience is the one who gets who can get the joke. Like, sure. And you don't have to get the joke while you're in the movie. So Justin and I haven't gotten to see this yet. Tell us about your role in the film and what it was like being a part of the production. Sure. So I was one of the five uh, teens in the group. I was kind of like the um, the leading role. I was the <laughs> absolute loser who uh, just <laughs> sure. had his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, right. Mike, like Michael Sarah type. My girlfriend just dumped me. I'm I'm so still in love with her. I'm absolutely pathetic. And you know, once we're introduced to the cans, I kind of grow a pair and become like the hero type. I'm ve- I, it's very much a, uh, a Bruce Campbell, Ash, evil dead type. Mm. I can fuck with that. Yeah, mm. that makes me happy. I'm into that. Yeah, like if, if like if Michael Sarah from Superbad just in, inadvertently becomes Ash. Where did y'all film and did you film during the pandemic i kind of assume you must have right like what was that like did you have to quarantine like what was all that like yeah we filmed in may 2021 so just a few months ago sure sure, Uh, sure. we filmed mostly in quaker town pa in in like an abandoned girl scout camp it was awesome did you go to q mart at all while you're in quaker town (laughs) (laughs) no no, I didn't. Fuck. I didn't go. Uh, Fuck you! Mi- you missed out, my friend. That is quite a. That's quite of a, a carnival of the absurd. Let's call it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Are you are you from around here? Like the are you from PA? 
Yeah, I live in Levittown, so it was like an hour for me. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I'm in Chicago now, but technically that that would be local to when we started this podcast. Yeah. You guys are you guys both in Chicago now? No, I'm 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 in the I'm in the uh, the Lehigh Valley up by uh, Allen. I'm in Easton. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. so Quakertown's not super far from you, right? No, I go there I go there at least like once a month to, you know, remind myself of why I only go there once a month. <laughs> you know, to ex- to buy expired foods and uh uh, mm. What else is there to do? Quaker Town. Uh, uh, the buy buy a two XL uh, bootleg Burzum tea that I can later leave in my trunk. Um, I don't know. <laughs> buy overpriced Criterion DVDs. When I was last time I was at the Q Mart, I I got something called Q Mart Ramen, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll try some ramen, you know. But it was like. The least ramen-y noodles with actual just crumpled up hamburger in there and a piece of lettuce, <laughs> and oh. I was like, I was like, oh, oh, this is so gross. And then I ate it, and somehow it's still the broth was still fucking sick. I was like, oh man, am I gonna actually eat this? And then I did. I ate the whole thing, and I felt like a real monster afterwards. There's no Good. shame in that. There's no shame in no. that. It, 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 the wet let it was the wet lettuce that made it bad. If it was if it wasn't for the wet lettuce, I think I would have been okay. But anyways, <laughs> Q Mart, Q Mart, head check it out. Okay, uh, what else do we want? To, well, okay, so when is this? Is this movie out now? It, when is it coming yep. out? How do people see it? Is it like for rent? What's going on? To fill us in. Yep. So it's now available on Amazon Prime Video. It's Perfect. like three bucks on there. Uh, I heard it's also on Apple TV and Google. Sure. But sure. I know Amazon is like the big one that they're pushing. They have their own website and there's two different trailers. They're both sick. Well, I know that we're excited to check it out. Um, do you have something else that you're working on soon? You know, do you have anything else that you're like coming down the pike? Yeah, I'm actually um, leaving for L.A. Uh, next Tuesday. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm going to be there for three weeks filming a uh, a feature length comedy. Sick. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm super pumped about it. Ha, There's a ha, lot of cool like up and coming names on it. Have you done? Are, would you consider yourself like? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess this doesn't really matter. But do you feel like comedy is like a strong suit for you? Like, a, like you feel like you're a comedic actor, or is it like something you're trying out? Like. What, what, how does that fit into sort of your experience? Comedy, I would say, is definitely my strong suit. Um, I cool. do stand-up as well. Oh, so, okay, okay. Like, yeah, so, so comedic acting comes naturally to me. I've always leaned towards comedy. So the way I see it, I like doing both. I love doing drama as well. But it, focusing, like laser focusing on comedy is a nice way to kind of get my foot in the door. And then once I actually have, you know, a little bit of resume you know a little bit of footage behind my back then i can start to explore drama as well of course i'm still auditioning for drama stuff right now it's just that sure. i happen to be casted in the comedy stuff because that's kind of my strong suit right right i'm assuming that there's a you know a good amount of gross stuff in this upcoming uh comedy horror film was there anything that happened in you know to you around you was you know what i don't want you to spoil anything but was there anything that was like a a new experience or particularly kind of fucked up that you got to check out 
Yeah, well, we we did this one trip. First of all, everything was practical. It was fucking awesome. Love it, love it. But uh, there's this scene where I have to, I I literally like, I put my fist through somebody's stomach. Hell yeah. And, and we're doing we're doing the, uh, the the takes, and after we get it right, they're like, "Oh, that was perfect. Okay, we're gonna move on." And the sound guy's like, "Wait, hold on. Let me actually do it again, um, just so we can get it for um, for sound's sake to get a clean take." So sometimes on set they have they do what is called room temp, where they just stop everything and you just kind of you just listen to the room temp so that you can use that background for later reference. So the way I thought we were supposed to do is, oh, I'll just keep fiddling my hand in this stomach so he can get that sound and use for later. Well, I put my hand in there. I'm just like the grossest sounds you could possibly imagine for like 60 seconds straight. Meanwhile, there's 12 people in this room all like curled up, you know, one person's filming, one person's directing all this shit. <laughs> Finally, the assistant director goes, cut. And everyone just balls out laughing. <laughs> and the, the first camera system was like, that was one of the grossest things I've ever heard in my life. I yeah. almost fucking passed out. <laughs> and then and then the sound guy goes, um, actually we just needed the quick sound bite of you punching and taking it out. <laughs> so I did that all for nothing. <laughs> oh man. I mean, yeah. not for nothing. It, you also almost made someone pass out, so that's worth it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, okay, Justin, got any more questions about that before we move on? I do not know. Well, I know that you did one horror thing that you might want to talk about before we move on to the meat of the episode. Do you want to talk a little bit about Candyman? It was cool. Hey. Did you see it, Sean? No, but I, I just I just heard about it. Like, do you work on it? Oh, no, no. I God, I wish. <laughs> no, it was just I just saw it. In theaters, it was cool. Um, okay. Got, I've gotten into a lot of fights on Facebook and Twitter because more so on Facebook because people are, you know, saying it's too woke despite the fact that the original one was about the same thing and people love uh -huh. it. So, no, no, no. It's yeah, very I... good. It's, uh, it's very, it's very violent, which shocker, I know, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and it's just it just has this like haunting look to it where like I don't know what it is about the cinematography but um especially like it, it kind of grabbed me with the opening opening credit sequence um there's a lot of things that are kind of shot like uh either upside down or you know because it's a you know the whole thing with like the mirror there's mm -hmm. there's so many reflective surfaces in every shot and watching it i was just like how the fuck did they keep you know they had to use some kind of cgi and like you know uh editing in post where they edited out the camera but like i was watching it being like god damn how like how did they how did they get such such clean looking shots um mm -hmm in a room full of reflective surfaces and you just don't see the camera. Like I just thought that was like kind of amazing. And I haven't, I've seen a lot of people talking about how it, it, it uses these mirrors and reflective surfaces to kind of create this sense of like, can he make a pop out at any, any second? Um, 
but I haven't seen much talking about like the technical aspects of like how difficult it is to shoot in a room oh, yeah. where everything can reflect. Yeah, the movie magic that people can pull off is so incredible. Like I was just mesmerized every single day on set by the the practical effects they were doing with Dead Till Death. People it's nuts. rock. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, not that we're going back to it again, but Dead Till Death is really good. That's really good. That's a really good name. I'm really stoked on that. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see Candyman. I, you know, I, I talked to Justin about this, but, you know, so listeners know, you know, I'm I'm a type 1 diabetic. I'm not trying to risk myself yet. I mean, I might be willing to go back to theaters again. Like I did some when uh, I first got vaccinated. I'm trying to get a booster shot soon. So if I get the booster... Maybe I'll go back to theaters, but just, you know, I too many breakthrough cases around me right now for me to be like, yeah, I'll go sit in a poorly ventilated room with a bunch of strangers. That sounds fucking sick. Let's do that. Uh, now, yeah. if you're in the Chicago area and you know of any outdoor screenings of Candyman, I'll fucking outdoor anything at this point. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm I'm about being outdoors and a little bit of distance from people. That's that sounds like a perfect thing for me. But right now, I'm not trying to go up in the movie theaters, but. Uh, I am very excited to see it, and I feel like if Justin says uh, it's pretty good, then it's definitely pretty good. So I, I mean, if you want, when I'm in Chicago in a few weeks, I could just tell you the story through interpretive dance. Oh yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm into that. I mean, I'm a little worried because it'll be a little more gory than the movie, but that's yes. fine. I'm into I'll be, more. I'll, gore. I'll be bringing. A, I'll be bringing a gown of fake blood. And I will chew my hand off. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Uh, it's committed to the art. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have any horror updates right now. I haven't had time to watch anything new. I apologize, everyone. I will say I am starting Grady Hendrix's um, new book, uh, The Final Girl Support Group. So hopefully I can. Hopefully I can get it done soon, actually, because it's a library book. So I got to gotta rock that thing. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty excited. And uh, I love Grady Hendrix. I'm pretty excited to uh, enjoy another one of his books. If you haven't read any Grady Hendrix, his awesome paperbacks from hell is on sale right now, uh, I believe. So if you head over to his Twitter, he's got links. Uh, and it's I think it's like 40% off or something. So highly recommend paperbacks from hell. Yo, did you guys see Spiral? I did not. Justin, did you get a chance to watch it? Uh, the the Saw movie or the other one? Yeah, the Saw movie. The Saw one I didn't see, no. Oh, dude, you got to check that out. It's so good? good. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. It's like it's like a crime drama take on Saw. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I thought it would – I mean, Chris Rock is just so entertaining in that role, and, and I, I thought him and Samuel L. Jackson just carried it so hard. It was – I thought it was an excellent film. Interesting. I might have I might have to check that out. We did see what was Spiral was the name of that other movie too, right? The indie film. What was that one, Justin? Remind me of the Spiral. There was, was a movie called Shutter. Yeah, that was just kind of like like a weird sort of Get Out esque movie. I don't remember. I really I remember we I watched it and we talked about it on the show and I don't remember what it, what it is now. Well, was it like their neighbors were in a cult or something? Some shit like that. It was. Uh, it wasn't a very yeah, memorable yeah, yeah. movie, unfortunately. I kind of liked it. it. It made my list. It made my end of year list. But you know, I guess it wasn't that memorable. If I'm like, I don't know, I remember the cult or whatever. Anyways. I said what I said. All right. 
Should we take a break and then come back and talk about these yeah, let's supposedly horny werewolf Take movies? a quick break. We're going to take a quick oh, break. Yeah. And we come back, we're going to talk about 2000s coming of age. Liam would spell it C-U-M-M-I-N-G. Stop it. Coming of age. <laughs> supernatural. Ho- oh, it's Canadian. Oh. Uh, one of the glories of the movie is how Canadian it is. Because the the, were, the werewolves are so polite. Well, everyone keeps <laughs> saying a boot and sorry. Sorry. So come back. We're going to talk about <laughs> the 2010 Canadians. So we're going to talk fucking ginger snaps. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk about ginger snaps. All right. We'll be right back. So, uh, Fitz, I think we should get together. Oh. Out by 16 or dead in the scene, but together forever. United against life as we know it. Let's get out of here. What was it? Big dog, maybe? Whoa. Whoa? That's it? Whoa? Think you see werewolves a lot? Did I change last night? Howl at the moon? How do you feel? Wicked. This is a very confusing time for your sister. Boys, their body, trying to fit in. Hey, hey, take it easy. Who's the guy? I think she's pretty. If I wasn't here, would you eat her? Poor bee. I'm growing up and obviously you're not. Oh my god. You think I want to go back to being nobody? You're so dead. They're just being normal teenage girls. I'm not dying in this room with you! I'm not dying! I think she's gone. We are back to talk about 2000's Ginger Snaps, directed by directed by John Fawcett, who co-wrote the film with Karen Walton, starring Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabella as two teenage sisters who have a fascination with death, uh, then, you know, werewolves. Um, I have a confession to make at the beginning of this. Do it. I remember when this movie came out, I didn't watch it for years because I was like, that looks really dumb, and it has the girl from the shitty shit shit version of It back in the 90s, and then I watched it, and I felt like the world's grandest asshole, because I think this movie's a lot of fun. For my taste, once you get past the big names in werewolf movies, you know, like, obviously, you've got your American Wolf in London, you've got your Howling, you've got, you know... Uh, uh, dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers. 
once you get past, I mean, it might just be those three, honestly, this is the next greatest werewolf movie. And what, what makes it even better for me is that it works in other ways as well. So like, even if someone isn't that stoked on, uh, the werewolf <laughs> genre, uh, it also functions as a body horror film and as a, you know, uh, people might joke about it, but it really is a, a coming of age movie. It's a movie about the anxiety of puberty. Like there's so many other themes going on as well. I just think it's a really quality film. Uh, and I think it does mm-hmm. get written off a lot as like of a time or whatever, whatever sort of diminutive stuff people can say about it. When I hear those things, I think, I don't think you're, I don't even know if you've really watched the movie. Cause it, for me, it's a very compelling movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm like a werewolf movie fan, sure. but I think this movie uses the concept of werewolves more as an engine to um, take on, like you said, like these these more relatable themes. But it's not like the where it it doesn't. I 100% agree, Sean. Sorry, I was about to. It was sounding like I was about to disagree with you, but I do. I 100% agree with you. But what it doesn't do is then disrespect the idea of werewolves. You know, like you could make a movie that was a werewolf movie, quote unquote, about other things that was clearly like fuck a werewolf movie, and that and that might be fun. That might actually be a fun movie. Who knows? I you know I don't want to make it sound like because uh, you know like for example where we're at right now with zombies. I don't want to hear anyone sell to me. It's a traditional zombie movie. Like, okay, well, we're done with that. All right. Like, I don't, I don't need a new one of those in my life. So like, I'm not saying a deconstruction is a bad thing in and of itself, but I think this film manages to bring in all these other themes and other kinds of horror while still being a werewolf movie. It's not like, uh, you know, tricking you into watching it and it's not a werewolf movie at all. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that works about it is, like, you could make this movie, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a werewolf, if that makes that's any true. sense. That's like, true. That's true. That, like, mm-hmm. I, think that's a, I think that's a strength of the movie, is that it still tells a compelling story um, about, like you said, like a body horror movie, and what is fucking puberty but real body horror? Yeah, um, it's horrifying. <laughs> like, you could, I mean, it would be a touch misogynistic if there wasn't some sort of like external force some sort of external unnatural supernatural force acting upon this young woman but like like when I was watching this movie she wasn't doing anything that necessitated her being a werewolf I mean except from the fact where she turns into a werewolf but like all the (laughs) scenes where she's like like when she attacks that girl for like messing with her little sister like that is some shit that like any older sibling would do. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. at, at, at that age or like when she's like super horny, despite what someone on this podcast, who's not me said, um, <laughs> that you don't need to be aware of to be a horny teenager. Let's wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about the horniness of this movie. Well, let's talk. Let's fucking, let's do it. The fact that the, the fact that there is the aspect of horniness in the movie does not actually make the movie horny. Then what makes the movie horny if not an aspect of horniness? The movie is looking at its characters like it wants to fuck them, and the characters are stoked to fuck. And then when people do fuck, it isn't horrifying the way it is in this movie. The the this movie I feel like 
it has the fact that she is going through puberty and is, you know, feeling horny towards this dude. And then she basically gives him a werewolf STD. So it's like, it's very much also yep. smushing your horniness while it might elicit it to some extent. It's a horny movie is cat people where like the movie, it's not just that the characters of cat people want to fuck. You feel like the director wants to fuck them as well. Like there's like a, an overwhelming sexiness. That's good. This is not really sexy. You know, it's about kids and it's, you know, yes, those kids can be horny, but also they can be gross and they can act in weird ways and they feel weird about their bodies. And I think that's where it really pushes this werewolf thing of like, um, there's something inside of you you don't trust. And, and there's something inside of your friends that you don't trust. Like this, this split between the two sisters is so emblematic of so many people's experiences. I just feel like this mm-hmm. is like... Uh, not just like a really effective horror movie, but I think it's a movie that for a bunch of people is like reminiscent of like kind of how they grew up. Like it feels like nostalgic in a way. Uh, I accept, I accept your attack upon me. You have bested me. <laughs> and I, I admit defeat. You, you placed, you landed several well-placed blows in that argument. And I say touche, sir. I mean, I'm, I wasn't really trying to win. I just was expressing like how I felt, which is like, I, you know, when I first saw this, uh, you know, in 2000, I wasn't that much above being a kid myself, you know, so like I could kind of identify with this in a certain way. And, you know, yes, there is that aspect of like feeling kind of uncontrollably horny when you're a teenager. But, uh, you know, every time I've rewatched it, I've really been struck by how um, it kind of the way the movie conflates the sexuality with the bloodlust, you know, is it like hot? It's like upsetting. It's very upsetting. And I think that's on purpose. It's like this feeling of like, I can't, what do I do about this? Like, I don't know. There's a sense of body betrayal that I really understand. And there are definitely, not just when it comes to uh, my boner, but there are plenty of (laughs) situations as a teenager where I felt like my body was betraying me. I mean, even something as silly as acne feels like, why is my entire biology turning on me and making my life hell on earth, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the actions that like these werewolves do or, you know, humans turning into werewolves seems to be against their better judgment, especially the main character. Like she tells her sister all these things that, you know, she's clearly not. And then all of a sudden, like the flip of a switch, she's now doing all these things. And then she eventually admits that she does them because she likes them, which is just so like a classic scenario of two siblings being tight knit. And then one of them hits puberty and is like, fuck you, dude. Oh God. As a as a as a parent, also there was a certain level of fear in this movie for me. Is that that realization that like, what you know, at some point with my, you know, I mean, it might not be this way, but for a lot of parents, you know, you just navigate those teenage years by like holding on and trying not to freak out because who knows that that, that whatever your child is going through might be insane. You know, it, it, who knows? It might be normal too. You, you literally don't know the fucking minefield of being a teenager in America. <laughs> Justin, if you're, if your daughter, <laughs> if your daughter buried someone inside of your shed, would, would the first thing you say to them be, don't worry, we'll just, <laughs> we'll light the house on fire tomorrow and then we'll start fresh. We'll start fresh, and then <laughs> yeah, I love that. Scene. And we'll, we'll, we'll and, and we'll just leave your father. Like, we'll just leave your father. Yeah. Well, to be fair, 
I kind of ha- I kind of already play the cool dad to my niece who is she just turned 12 so she's just starting this like bitchy teenage years. So I kind of get to see from the outside like the way she talks to my sister and not that my niece is this like disrespectful like bitchy little kid but like she definitely gets an attitude at times which is like typical of like teenagers but I love being able to be like I could just walk into my parents house where she lives and be like let's go get ice cream I'm the cool guy <laughs> can't get mad at me but like I like the the idea of like the person you know becoming someone that you don't know right is fascinating and um i mean it's also like i kind of feel almost for like the parents in this movie as well who are watching like both their kids apparently go insane and i i don't think the mother believe like i think the mother is telling herself that it's just puberty but i don't think she believes it yeah and only kind of realizes it like sean said at the end when she's like you know she she's like this like reasonable kind of like um, Mayberry style mother, and then from fucking left field comes up with this insane plot to fake yeah. their deaths, and it's like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? But then it, it's like, did she was, was that shit just like cooking in her head the entire time? Um, so like, <laughs> I, I, I like that idea that it was that under, yeah. underneath she was always like, I could just burn it all down, motherfucker. I could, yeah. I, so I kind of think this, this movie, it, it might also be like a commentary upon like watching your children, um, become strangers. Yeah. Like yeah, worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wasn't really focused too much on that despite being a dad. I wasn't really on my mind. Uh, that specifically, but I think you're right. I think also the feeling of becoming a stranger, like, I don't know that the writers of this film don't identify with uh, the sister who's becoming a werewolf. Sorry, I forgot her name already. I'm an idiot. Uh, but. Her name's Ginger, the title. Movie oh, Ginger right, Snaps. of course. Sorry, <laughs> you're right. Hey, what's that movie? Uh, what's the guy's name in Rocky? You know, he's the boxer. <laughs> he's, I can't remember what his uh, name is, though. You I know, he knows Adrian. Snaps. Yeah. I'm going to fucking fight you. Um, no, but I, I, I think with Ginger, like, I think there's, even though she's the one going through all this stuff and is sort of the, you know, the monster of the film in a certain sense, I'm not sure that this people writing this movie didn't also identify with her. That, like, there's a feeling of, like, you can feel yourself changing and becoming something different. And, like, you might even want to identify with that new thing, but you know it's, like, burning the bridges around you. Absolutely. I mean, there. I'm not gonna lie. There have been times when, like, um, like there's the scene when uh, Bridget locks. I forget. I forget her name. What's her Fuck name? Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Eat my ass. She when she locks Ginger in the bathroom, and Ginger is like, like clearly Bridget is doing this for Ginger's own for for her well being. Like we're doing. Bridget, I'm doing this to yeah. protect you. I'm doing this for you. And Ginger's like fuck you, get me the fuck out of here, you fucking, like, pussy, blah, 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 this, that, the other thing. Like, there have been Mm -hmm. times when I've been in the midst of, like, a panic attack or a fucking horrifying mood swing where I've been, like, everyone is out to get me. My friends are laughing at me behind my back. My boss wants to kill me. And I could die at any second. And I've just been, like, super snippy about it. So there also might be something in here about, like, mental illness. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's fair. What was yeah, that? Maybe, um, yeah. 
Oh, there was that. What holiday did Independence Day take place on? I think I, it was Arbor Day. You know Day. what? Shut up, Sean. Sean. <laughs> I think it was Arbor Day. I'm not sure though. Sean, talk a little bit about when did you first see this movie, and like what what are you thinking about it now, watching it again? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I the first time I saw it is for this podcast. Yes, that's, that's even awesome. better. First time yeah. watch. How did you? I mean, you've already said a, a bit about it, but first time watch. What really worked for you, and what was maybe a little dated or didn't quite work for you? You know, something that I actually really liked about this movie is that the werewolves were explained through science and not spirituality, which was kind of interesting. And that tied in so much to everything else that was being talked about. Hormones, you know, they used anatomy to explain, you know, the werewolf disease or whatever. It was like a virus as opposed to it being a curse. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the supernatural werewolf, but... I don't know, Justin, you could you, I want you to weigh on this what you think about this idea, but for me, I tend to prefer if we're going to talk about the the big two, the werewolf and the vampire. I kind of prefer biological explanations of the werewolf, but like biological explanation of vampires, like I kind of prefer the supernatural vampire. I don't know. What do you think about that? I here's the thing. Here's like the I'm going to offer you a flip side of that. I actually don't mind a biological explanation for a vampire, but it's so hard to do well that most of the time it's stupid. Where right. okay. I actually kind of like a supernatural. I either like when it comes to werewolves, I like either sup- a supernatural explanation or better yet, no explanation. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know like um mm. like I love the fact that in dog soldiers there's just werewolves that live in a cabin and they have a dog and they just hang out and that's what they do and then you know they the house gets blown up and it because fucking assholes <laughs> but i think the werewolf is one of those things when you try to explain it it kind of gets like super corny it can get very corny very fast very easily um i actually just watched an episode of the x-files on werewolves and sure. I mean, the explanation for the werewolf was probably the least racist thing about that episode. Because, uh, yeah. because they're constant, like, literally every character, including Native Americans, are just like, yeah, the Indian sheriff, he won't let us investigate ourselves. We have to call in the FBI. The Indians, the Indians, blah, 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 oh all this God. shit. And I'm like, oh, I get it. It's 93, but God damn it. Um, yeah. But, like,. I don't know. Like, sometimes you're just like, what's a werewolf? Oh, it's a spirit that, like, possesses a guy and makes him want to, like, fucking eat people. That I'm fine with that. That's, I'm on board. But, like, the second you try to, like, kind of rationalize a werewolf, it gets, like, like the underworld, like, <sighs> underworld is a tricky one because I actually really like the design for the werewolves and that. But the story for where they come from is so jaw-droppingly fucking stupid that I'm sure. like, I don't even really want to think about it. Well, I, you know, I realized as soon as I said it that I was being somewhat unfair because there just aren't that many good werewolf movies in the first place. No, there's so like five. Yeah. So like being like, oh, I prefer it when they're like this. I'm really thinking more of other things like literature, comic books, cartoon. You know what I mean? Because yeah. in reality, a bunch of uh, these movies are terrible. So I'm not thinking about them at all because I don't think they're good at anything. No, in comics, the supernatural werewolf is always the best. 
like what was the what was that one series that was on Avatar like ten years ago? Like, are you really making f- this joke again? This is you're going no, no, for no. it again? No, I'm totally serious. I'm I'm not <laughs> fucking with you. It was it was a series on Avatar. I think Jason Burroughs illustrated it. I forget who wrote oh, it, but it was like oh yes, 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 super yes, yes. highly detailed, like the hulking man beast werewolf design, which you know I love, which you yes, know I love, yes, yes. Um, and like it actually looked terrifying, and I think like the premise of that was that like werewolfism or whatever they whatever the fuck nerds like canthropy, like whatever. Um, it's sort of like a sexually transmitted disease, which is what this movie. Yeah, I like that part of this kind movie a lot. of. Yeah, um, there's also a really good book if you ever want to check it out by a guy named Ray Garten, who is famous for uh, working with the Warrens. Uh, he was one of the guys Ooh, who gross. came out and said Ed Warren was a gigantic piece of shit who just made shit up. Oh, that's he, cool. He wrote a book called <laughs> Ravenous back, and I want to say the late nineties. Oh yes, early aughts. I heard it's good. I haven't read it. Yeah, that's about the same premise where it's like. Uh, lycanthropy is like a is a, is like an STD, um, so I guess that's a biological explanation for it. Yeah, I'm into I'm yeah. into that. I mean, there, I th- I think it's similar. If you ever read, uh, did you ever read Red Moon? No. Oh, it's pretty mm-hmm. good. It's like uh, uh, one of those like were- werewolves living among us thing. Only like uh, the, the the it gets revealed to the world that they exist, and of course the U- first U.S. response is like. Well, we know they're in this city, so I guess we'll just bomb that city. I guess we'll just bomb it, and then <laughs> it, 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 it there turns out to be like it, it becomes where there's like werewolf freedom fighters and stuff, and That's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty sick. It's pretty sick. I think it's called yeah. I think it's Red Moon. Anyways, um, uh, what the, the the thing is is that by treating it biologically in in ginger snaps, it really does get into this sort of just the offensiveness of our own kind of bodies and understanding those transitions. And, you know, I I guess some people feel like the movie's a bit heavy handed with that stuff, but for me, it just worked really well. And it really made me, I don't know, on this watch more than other watches, I was really thinking about the alienation of everyone in the situation, you know, and, and how sometimes when I think about, my experience as a teenager, it was this constant feeling of being at odds with everything, including myself, and how fucked that felt, you know? Yeah. Anything yeah, else I you mean, all definitely, before? Go ahead, Sean. Um, I mean, def- definitely the stuff like when she, you know, she was constantly having to like shave her legs because they were like aggressively hairy. Oh, yeah. Like it just, it was really nice, like just like accenting like some of the things that that you, I mean, like women have to go through in, in puberty, I guess. Like, but it was sort of like, you know, a lot of things were being passed off. I, I liked, you know, that they kept shining a light on these these other women kept dismissing her problems as like, oh, that's just you being, a, you know, you being a woman. It's like, but no, this is horrible. <laughs> right. And, and maybe that's a comment on like saying that like, you know, maybe you shouldn't like just like dismiss it and like really be like, yeah, and, like this really sucks. Like you need to put more emphasis on that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like how when the nurse is explaining like menstruation to him and she's like, first this happens, then that happens, and then this happens, and then that's every 28 28 days for the next uh, 30 years or so. Have fun. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I will say we probably shouldn't need that. We are three, you know, uh, cis men talking about this film that is so clearly yeah. uh, dealing with the experiences of, of, of women more than men. But uh, I will say that it, it's... I mean, maybe this is just the universalness of the storytelling. It's so effective. No part of me was like, this isn't for me. You know, like there are aspects of it that were obviously alien to me, but I I feel like anyone watching this could feel this movie. You know what I mean? Like that this really mm, has yeah. those those experiences that were that were at least familiar. Even if they didn't happen to me, I saw them happening around me. Yeah, I could I could uh I could fuck with that. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. If not, we should take a break and talk about uh, Wes Craven's Cursed, a movie that not only had I not seen before we uh, watched it for this podcast, I didn't even know it existed. You're fucking kidding. Except for the famous gif. And it's a famous gif I didn't know was in this movie. So when it happened, I jumped in the air. (laughs) Holy shit. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 2005's Cursed. We'll be right back. the other night things are happening things i can't explain ellie what's wrong just having a really bad day can i help last night a young woman was attacked and killed What was that? My dog. What kind of dog do you have? I have a regular dog. Something's wrong. The only way you can break the curse is to kill the person who started it all. And we are back to talk about 2005's Werewolf Effort <laughs> by Wes Craven. Now, here's what I didn't know about this movie. This movie holds the distinct and unpleasant honor of being another movie in which Rick Baker spent a ton of money and a ton of time on making really cool creature designs and then along came fucking the fucking suits and told mm. him nah get rid of it CGI CGI that is a bummer actually the first yeah. time of course that happened on the set of E.T. when Steven Spielberg who I won't talk about for too long uh, told him to scrap all this shit for making it a horror movie and then said they made it a fucking allegory for divorce because Steven Spielberg can't get over his parents fucking getting divorced. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's such a dick. Whatever. Whatever. I'm Steven Spielberg. 
Um, Suck it, Steve. Uh, I got a lot of mixed feelings about this movie. I go into it, man. Take 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 okay. the first swing. So for mm-hmm. one, part of me really likes the werewolf design in this movie. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I think the scene in the parking lot where the werewolf is stalking, I believe that's Maya, the singer. Oh, I I don't it yeah, I think you're right actually. Yep, it is Maya. Maya this, as in uh that um uh, all I want to do is bang, bang, and a take your money. That girl? Oh no, that's 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 uh, MIA. This was oh. Maya. This is this is MYA. She did. Uh, holy fuck, Liam, are we that old? Yeah, we're pretty old. Why do you ask? I was like trying, like I immediately went to the song she did for the Bullworth soundtrack, and I realized Bullworth is a movie that's almost like twenty five years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, okay, uh, Maya songs. Uh, Ghetto Lady, Superstar. Yeah, Lady Marmalade from Moulin Rouge. Oh, uh, yeah. My Love is Like Whoa. Uh, it's All About Me. Uh, Best of Me. My First Night with You. Yeah, she had a bunch of hits. Okay, so the scene where the oh, yeah. werewolf is stalking her in the in the, the parking garage, that is legitimately well done. Um, I agree. I was yeah. like kind of, and then like the scene in the elevator, like that was fucking terrifying. Yeah, what I thought she was gonna be a goner in like twenty seconds. She put up a good fight. Yeah, and then like the scene when she's like in the elevator, and then like the werewolf just like runs up the fucking stairs to get her. I was just like, I'm out of here. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Because <laughs> I have nightmares about werewolves probably like once a month. And it's Ugh. like, I just, I can't, the, the hulking man beast werewolf just scares the fuck out of me. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. That's about all I liked with this movie. Oh no. Sean, <laughs> tell, fill us in. What did you think about this movie? What did you like about it? What didn't work for you? What, what to t- talk to us about cursed. Oh dude, I, I'm a very surface type of guy when it comes to this movie. <laughs> Honestly, I was a huge fan of just like all of the, up and coming stars that like I had no idea the were gonna cast, be in it. The cast is unbelievable, actually. Yeah, it's dude. Crazy. Like, ju- just the fact that like when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh my god, Jesse Eisenberg was an actor in two thousand five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like seeing him was awesome. I couldn't wait. Uh, the fucking Ron Swanson is just like a yes. cop uh, with two lines. Yes, almost unrecon, <laughs> almost yeah. unrecognizable. Yeah, because does he not? I don't know if he didn't have a beard or if he just had a full beard and no mustache. Uh, he didn't have anything. Yeah, yeah, that was that was so cool. I was like, <laughs> and then uh, and then the guy, the guy who who kept making fun of Jesse Eisenberg and then eventually came on to him. That guy, I'm pretty sure, is the same guy who was in like. He's in like the newer Adam Sandler movies. Like he was in Milo, That's My Boy uh, and Grown Ups too. Milo Ventimiglia. Is that the guy? Yep. He's uh let's see. He was on Heroes and this he was is in, us. He was in Rocky Balboa as well. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Really? He's really yeah. good in that. He was on I think just one episode of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. What movies has he done on his own though? Uh, oh, wasn't he the star of uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain? Ugh. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, but you're right. He's in uh, Sandy Wexler. 
Am I thinking of the right guy? Sandy Wexler is a uh, Adam Sandler movie. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's in Creed. Oh, yeah. He's in Creed 2. That makes sense because he's, you know, Rocky's son. Yeah. So weird. Okay, sorry. Oh, Anyways, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, he's just like, for those listening who haven't actually seen this movie, it stars Christina Ricci. Jesse Eisenberg is her brother. Uh, Also in the movie, uh, Portia de Rossi, Maya, uh, Shannon Elizabeth, um, like I said, uh, Milo Ventimiglia. I don't know. I might be like butchering his last name. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Mears, Joshua Jackson, Nick Offerman. Of course, uh, one of my favorite character actresses who doesn't get enough respect, Judy Greer. Uh, she's almost as good as this as she is in the Planet of the Apes movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. For those of you who don't know, she she's one of the CGI apes in the Planet of the Apes movie, and she literally did it just to like get experience doing the like whatever that is the ball the balls all over you acting uh also the balls all nice. over you acting yeah motion capture <laughs> motion capture balls uh, all also also no, I, I love that scott bayo is in this as scott bayo come on i mean he that's sucks amazing, but yeah. still great <laughs> but yeah yeah the yeah. cast is just crazy it's a crazy surprise all right sorry sean i interrupted you go back to what what else works for you about the movie no yeah yeah it was funny to see judy Kerr too I was just thinking, like, oh, like she must have just shot uh, thirteen going on thirty, or it was like same time frame. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, <clears throat> that that was fun. You know, this movie was just like it was like silly. You know, it was fun. Like I I enjoyed the some of the humor in it. Like the the guy, you know, just like picking on Jesse Eisenberg, just being like, oh, hey, you're gay. Like that was just like so dated. But then he, it came out he was gay, and I was like, okay, two thousand five. <laughs> Yeah, Pour it is very. It is very. It, it, it started off in a bad 2005 way, and then it turned around to like a still kind of awkward 2005 way. But it, it's like by 2005 standards, it's like oh, this is much better than you could expect from this decade. <laughs> right. <actually. laughs> I also want to point out, uh, uncredited Greg Nicotero is in this movie pushing a coffin. <laughs> What? Greg yeah, Greg Nicotero is in this movie. He's in one of the, you know, when the one guy, he's got all that horror set up. There's a part where he's pushing a coffin in the background. And you can, like, really see him. But he's uncredited. He's not on the official list. That's pretty cool. List. Yeah, I know. It's pretty great. Um, nice. So, like I said, I had never even heard of this fucking movie. Like, I didn't know this existed. I'm not, to be clear, for people who might be wondering, I'm not as much of a Wes Craven devotee as I am John Carpenter. So the fact that there are Wes Craven movies that I don't even know exist, it's not that big a surprise. I just don't, you know, I just haven't spent as much time with with, uh, his other films that aren't Nightmare on Elm Streets, you know? Uh, So I'm not that surprised he did a late career movie I didn't notice. But I am a bit surprised because this is like, for the time, it's not just a horror movie. And you don't just have Scott Bale playing himself. You have Craig Kilborn playing himself, which, like, at the time was a big deal. You have Lance Bass playing himself, which is, like, uh, uh, the context of Lance Bass being in the movie, I was, like, uh, wondering if there was some other joke going on, actually. Um, But uh, the whole cast is, like, kind of, like, for the time, pretty star-studded, which is, like, a surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, And I Mm. think 
though there are many things that I want to criticize about the film, it's actually mostly fun, which I was not expecting at all because when I put it on and I was like, all right, so this is a late career Wes Craven movie that I've never heard of starring Christina Ricci. There's no way this is going to be good. And uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, actually. I, I feel like there are aspects to it that are extremely stupid. For example, a dog becoming a werewolf dog, CGI werewolf yeah. dog. Probably one of the more embarrassing moments I've seen in a movie ever. But <laughs> maybe, 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 uh, maybe the fact that my my bar was already pretty low for this thing, I just laughed. It was just funny to me. I I guess the thing for me is that there isn't. Uh, we've talked about this before, Justin. But when I feel like there's a lot of potential for a movie to be much better than what it is and it falls short sometimes I'm really tough on it and when I think a movie is actually pretty fun despite being severely flawed sometimes I still have fun for fun with it you know I had a lot of fun with this movie despite it having like just embarrassing CGI like I thought the CGI was extremely poor in the film uh, granted it was 2005 so a lot of CGI was extremely poor in 2005 um but I, but I kind of expected that, so it didn't bum me out. I just was like, oh yeah, like the the scene you were describing, Justin, is very effective when uh, Maya is trying to escape the werewolf, and then there's one shot where the werewolf is jumping across the cars, and it's bad. It really it's like very bad. it's yeah. like <laughs> it's like it's like Sega it's like Sega CD level graphics. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I but I didn't go oh fuck this movie. I just was like okay, well that was a little rough, but it didn't like bum me out i don't know i I guess because this movie despite having some very effective scary moments plays for me almost like a fun comedy in a way that like Mm -hmm. i can't name a single other wes craven movie that i found actually funny like uh, does wes craven have funny movies well wes craven does like scream which is like a horror satire which would definitely explain like why this movie has so many people just playing themselves. Sure. Like he, he does that a lot. He even has like at one point in one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, he has a uh, Dave England. Is it Dave England? Guy's name. Um, playing himself. And then he Robert. gets killed by Freddy or Robert. England. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. And, David uh, is from Nightmare. Jackass. Yeah. New Nightmare. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> uh, I mean, look, I guess I wasn't counting scream. I think if you take away scream, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, when they're good are not funny. They are upsetting. That's that's the best <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movies is when they're upsetting. Uh, Scream is funny. Mm-hmm. I guess I just had to admit that Scream is funny. Um, the thing for me is when I saw Scream, when it came out, I thought it was like one of the greatest movies ever. So the fact that I mm-hmm. don't love it now as an adult makes me dislike it more than I should. It's still pretty good, but it just, at the time, I was like, this is fucking bro. Like, I was blown <laughs> away when Scream came out. So the fact that, like, you know, I watched it again in my, you know, in my late 30s uh, and was like, oh, I, I'm not having as much fun as I did. But that was, that's unfair, right? Like, of course, I'm not having as much fun as when it came out. But I don't know. Anyways, yeah. uh, again, this is an expectation thing, which is not a fair way to evaluate movies. But I just think I really thought this was going to be terrible. And large chunks of it are corny as hell. You know, like, I just, you know, I do think like her. Uh, her boyfriend uh, from Party... Isn't that guy from... Uh, no, he's from Dawson's Creek. The Dawson's Creek guy who's in this, who's her 
boyfriend who turns out to be a werewolf. That guy sucks. Like I like he's just not a good actor. Like I I'll, I'll I'll admit that. But I don't know. I thought Jesse Eisenberg was fun. I thought Christina Ricci was fun. And as I said, uh, you know, I I love um, Judy Greer and some of the other people, sort of side characters in it. I don't know. I I, I think it's. I wouldn't recommend it to people who are looking for an actually like terrifying horror movie. Like that's not what this is. But if someone's like, mm-hmm. I want something stupid and fun to put on at a party, that's like this movie. Yeah. And I, and, and, and for that, I kind of like enjoyed it, you know? I, uh, apparently there was like an R this, like if you look on and I'm just going on Wikipedia, um, apparently the fucking Weinsteins, they 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 had contracted with Wes Craven to make an R-rated film, like like a hard R-rated film, which mm-hmm. sounds terrible, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so they shot that. They got about ninety percent of that shot, and then the fucking idiots in the studio were like, "No, scrap it." And to save time, that's why they got that's why they got rid of uh, Rick Baker's effects and replaced it all with. Um, like the the CGI. the CGI shit, um, and what's fucked is if you you can see some of the effects in like yeah yeah the way the werewolf looks, you're like oh my god that's that looks just like that looks just like fucking what Rick Baker would do. Um, Wait, I got this. Let me, let, Justin, just to add to what you were saying, uh, in 2014, Judy Greer spoke of the film in an interview. She says, "I don't know why that movie got so fucked up. I don't understand it. <laughs> I thought the script was fine." Honest to God, I didn't get the big deal. I don't know who kept making them fuck with it. Then we shot the movie for like seven years. I think they said we had four movies worth of footage. It was so fun, but so weird. I don't get it. I couldn't figure it out. So basically, I think all these changes you're talking about, Justin, happened while they were still making the movie. So yeah. like they were reshooting for years on this thing and yep. and the end product was, you know, whatever. According to another source on the movie, the original plot line had three strangers brought together by a car accident in the Hollywood Hills and the subsequent attack of a werewolf. The three characters were named Ellie Hudson, Christina Ricci, Vince Winston, Skeet Ulrich, and Jimmy Myers, Jesse Eisenberg. When the script was rewritten, the plot changed and focused on the two estranged siblings who had to fight a curse after a werewolf attack. That's so interesting. Mm. We almost got Mulholland Drive with werewolves. That's the plot of Mulholland Drive. Yeah. God damn Yeah, I bet when Rich Baker was on board, they probably weren't talking to him about how to practically have Judy Creer flip off somebody as a werewolf. Oh, no, that God. shit was awesome, though. That that was <laughs> okay. So f- I get that that moment is probably corny for a lot of people. N- the fact that I just it didn't even occur to me that this was the movie that was from until it happened. So seeing that finally and realizing what movie it was from was so fucking satisfying. I've been seeing that gif on the internet for years and was always like, "That's so weird. I wonder what that's from." What a fucking idiot. I'm so glad I know now. And it made me laugh. It was a funny moment. I I don't know. It's corny as hell. But I don't know. I liked it. But yeah, I mean, here's the deal. Knowing how troubled this thing was, like reshoots account for almost half the footage used in the movie. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's a sign of a of a thing that's not going well. And of course it's the fucking Weinsteins. They fucked with everything. This 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 idea that people have that like that fucker seeing justice is somehow going to rob us of culture. He's he's more responsible for ruining shit than he is for bringing anything into the world worthwhile. <laughs> so fuck them and and yeah. and and fuck the fact that I you know, I I've now gone from l- kind of liking this movie to being annoyed by it because I bet the parts that I like are the remnants of what would have been a good movie if the studio wasn't fucking with it so hard. That's what I, that's what I think. I don't know. What, am I being crazy about that, Justin? Or do you think that makes sense? No, not at all. Like, because there are times when there's like a coherent, not a coherent, because this movie's not incoherent per se, but uh, there are times when this movie has these moments that you're like, fuck, this is like a legit, this is good. This is like really good. And then it just gets like mired down in nonsense. Like, mm-hmm. like the like the, the the whole weird plot twist with um, Dawson being like the, the alpha werewolf was so goddamn unearned, and it just it's like like what the yeah, fuck? Why? I, why is, I didn't why need are, that. Yeah, like it, it very easily like they didn't need him in this in this movie at all. He could have been completely removed from this movie and it could have turned out that Judy Greer was the werewolf and that would have been so much more satisfying on every level because like the whole thing with 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 uh Dawson being the werewolf it just it honestly felt like a red herring that ended up being true. Like mm. if I first saw this movie in theaters I'd be like he's probably the werewolf that'd be too obvious. And then when he's the werewolf you're like oh, oh okay I cool like it's not I don't know right you know IMDB has a quote from Wes Craven about this thing that I need to read you guys the cursed experience was so screwed up I mean that went on for two and a half years of my life fuck for a film that wasn't anything close to what it should have been and another film that I was about to shoot having the plug pulled pulse so it was like I did learn from the cursed experience not to do something for money they said, we know you want to do another film. We'll pay you double. And we were 10 days for, from shooting, and I said, fine. But I, ended up working, uh, but I ended up working two and a half years for double my fee, but I could have done two and a half movies and done movies that were out there making money in general. I think it's not worth it. And part of the reason my, my phone hasn't rung is that, this, that the story is pretty well known. That's such a bummer. Uh, apparently, the yeah, yeah. guy who edited the movie says that the original version with all the Rick Baker effects and the gore exists. He it has exists. it. Ooh. He has it. Well, so this is, it says, uh, blah, blah, blah. He said that he still has all three versions that were made. The original unfinished cut with almost entire, completely with an almost entirely completely different cast and with Rick Baper's werewolf effects. Uh, the entire reshot version with uh, KMB's practical werewolf effects and the original ending uh, and then the the Wes Craven reshot version for the final cut. That's crazy. So they, apparently there was a different ending and the reason they reshot it is the Weinsteins demanded that he do a new ending. Dumb. Isn't that crazy to think, though, how many, like, just okay movies there are out there that have a story like this, that just, like, were just an amazing script. They brought on, like, the best of the best, and then, like, something just ridiculous happens, and then... 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's honestly fascinating. Like, like I've always had a thing about the stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor. Like, sometimes it's like, eh, it's not really, like, I still maintain that, like, um, like, the Terminator 2 director's cut is so unnecessary and bloated, and, like, I understand why that shit was cut for, for the theatrical release. But every now and again, mm. like, I watch a movie, and you're like, there's something that could be there. And there's something that was obviously taken away from this for... Uh, whatever reason, like, to make it, to trim it down, and it's like, I just wish I could see, like, okay, this is a drastic example, and I, just let me finish this, I <laughs> am curious what the David Ayers cut of The Suicide Squad would have looked like. Sure, I think that's, mm. it, it's fair. I don't know that it would have been good, because I don't think he's great, but it certainly probably was better than what we got. It would have been interesting, at least. It would have been like, okay, this isn't like, this isn't an unwatchable movie that took something away from me that I'll never get back. <laughs> I don't know. Oh Apparently, the original also had the actual death in the elevator, like it was an extended gore scene, and uh, and uh, uh, Jake, instead of attacking them in the end, gets uh, decapitated in a fight among werewolves. I hate the Weinstein's. Throw them both in jail. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it was it, specifically it was Bob was the one who fucked it up. So, uh, fucking the, shit, apparently, apparently, the ending where Jake attacks them at their house, he he decided he liked that idea because it reminded him of Scream, and he wanted something that was more like Scream, which is like the the ultimate fuck you film, you know, uh, executive no. thing to do is like, hey, your other movie that made money, just make this more like that. Fucking yeah. assholes. Ugh. It didn't even feel like Scream. It wasn't even a twist. It no, felt like uh, no. it felt like it was like movie's over. Uh, hold on, we just have this loose end we have to tie up. Um, here you go. Well, I can say, look, I'll add my voice to the many West Craven fans who have apparently started petitions about this. Whatever. Let's get that whoever owns the actual rights of this thing. Let's get the other version out there. Let's see it. You know, like mm -hmm. apparently they shot most of the original version. They they didn't finish it, but they shot most of it. Then they reshot the a lot of what we saw with a different ending, and then they redid the ending. So like, I would watch this movie with a different ending, and I would even watch the unfinished version just to see all the Rick Baker shit. Like, Hell let's yeah. do it. Put put it the fuck out there. I, who cares? Fuck all this shit. Like at this point, who's gonna be mad? Just put it out there. Let's do it. Dumb. Anyways, I. All that being said, I'm glad, Sean, that you picked this movie uh, out of Lore's or you gave options to Lore, and this was on the list because I still had a lot of fun with this. Like I think this is a a movie worth checking out for people who care about Wes Craven. I'll straight up mm -hmm. say you're not gonna love it. Is definitely is disappointing at points, but there's also things that shine through that remind you that Wes Craven was great. And even on a movie that he clearly said he took for the money, he still managed to do some great things because he was Wes fucking Craven. Yeah, I'm yeah. happy I watched them. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel like I uh, wasted my time with this movie. So, but man, it's it's knowing that it was probably better the first time is like. Does make me mad. I'm a little yeah, mad. It's gonna haunt it. yeah. me. It's gonna piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's our episode. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, you said yeah. tell us one more time where people can find uh, Dead Till Death. 
Yes, Dead Till Death is now available on Amazon Prime Video. That's like the main spot. And then also, I believe it should be available on Apple TV and Google TV. Okay. Um, any, any, where can people find you on social media or anything like that? Any, uh, anything like yeah. that you want to, you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, for sure. On Instagram, I'm uh, Sean Michael Conway. There's an underscore in between, uh, the names, uh, Facebook, just Sean Conway. Um, yeah, Instagram was probably just the main one I would tag. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, of course the, ple- the pleasure, the privilege was me and Liam's. <laughs> so, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, head to patreon.com backslash cinepunks. If you are interested in becoming a patron, you can check out our sponsors at www.xlvacx.com and www.essex coffee roaster singular roasters roasters plural.com. God damn it. Go to hell, Liam. Uh, <laughs> and for more nice. episodes of this podcast and like there's a few other good ones there's some other okay ones that are that are fine you know the the latest episode of Twitch of the Death Nerve they talk Here about go. they talk about animal attack movies and it's really <laughs> good but there's only one thing that bums me out which is that um not only do I not like orca as much as some of the other people do uh what was the movie oh it just left my brain Oh yeah, uh, Sam admitted she doesn't like the Italian Jaws ripoffs, like Cruel Jaws. Cruel Jaws. Oh my the god, last Shark! I love those movies, and she's like, they're kind of. I don't know. I don't like them, and I was like, do I, am I mad at Sam? I might be I mad am. at Sam. I am. I'm mad <laughs> she Sam. doesn't like Cruel Jaws. I'm. I'm very. I'm very upset with Sam. <laughs> but I'll you know, for people who want to hear me and Justin talk about Orca, they can find that. In a in an episode of Horror Business where we we talk about Orca and I admit that it bums me out. That movie bummed me out. Yeah, oh, wow. it's not a feel good movie. You see an Orca die and miscarry, and it sucks. It is it is kind of crazy to think of Orcas as like one of the few animals that really do have a sense of vengeance, though. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, head to cinepunks.com to check out the, more episodes of this podcast and a bunch of other things. Some good, including Liam's fucking favorite podcast, Twitch of the Death Nerve, which is the fucking best podcast ever. I mean, it's better than this one, but it's so good. Oh my god, Twitch of the Death Nerve. <laughs> oh, oh, they're too good. They're, they're 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 too good to call it Death Dream. They have to go by the alternate title. Oh, Twitch of the Death Nerve. No, wait. I think you just got that very wrong. I did. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> way to prove why their podcast is better. <laughs> God damn it. (laughs) Anyway, all right. Uh, Until next time, um, fuck both the Weinsteins. We're out. Bye. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!